I love the book of Ruth. You know, you can read those four chapters in about 15 minutes. You can read that entire story in about 15 minutes. Maybe that's why I like it so much. It's, 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 it's got a beginning, it's got a middle, and it's got an end, and it's right to the point. I kind of like that. Hopefully tonight there'll be a beginning, there'll be a middle, and there'll be an end somewhere in there, and we'll get there. But I, I just love this book. And then the pastor was uh, preached the last two Sundays about not a parable. Didn't that speak without a parable when Jesus spoke? And a parable is exactly what we're seeing in the book of Ruth. It's an actual life event, but it's also a story with some pictures in it for us. With some life lessons hidden right here in the book of Ruth. You know, a, a parable is just that. It's an earthly story with a heavenly message. And here we have, right in the midst of our Bible, uh, you know, you come through the, fi- the first five books, you come through the what they call the law, the Torah, you come through it, then you got Joshua, and you see how, how God has His hand on Joshua, and then you get into Judges, and it's chaos. And then right in the midst of this, and that's where we find Ruth, when you look at Ruth, it says now in, in Ruth 1, uh, it says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. So Ruth's right in the midst of one of the darkest times of Israel's history. They, they've come into the land. They have the land. You have some that, that fought and some that had faith. And then here in the middle of this, they're fighting about who's going to rule. And they're looking for leadership and they're looking for guidance. And tucked away in the midst of all that is this Beautiful picture that God has for you and I about redemption. And so tonight we're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. And that's where I want to be. You know, the book of Ruth has a happy ending. It didn't start happily. It started in a mess. It started in misery. It started with a funeral. But it ends with a wedding. It ends with a marriage. It ends with a message. And I'm thankful tonight for this book. If you'll stand with me as we are in the reading of God's Word, I want to get into this fourth chapter. Now, I'll probably go back and review and catch us all up uh, uh, real quick um, here in just a moment. But I want to read this. This is where we're going to uh, be tonight, the book of Ruth. Remember, Ruth is a picture of us, the bride. Here we see the bride, and Boaz is the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, our kinsman, Redeemer. And as we come into this chapter, we've seen the heartache, and then we've seen the grace, and then we've seen the the covering or the request in chapter 3. And in chapter 4, we find Boaz immediately goes to work. But I want you to start in verse number 18 with me of chapter 3, and I want you to see what Naomi tells Ruth, she says this, Then said she, Sit still, my daughter. When God's about to do something, just sit still. When you've done all that you can do, and you've, you've put in your Bible study, you've put in your time of prayer, you've put in your tithes and your offerings, you've been faithful and obedient in coming to church, and you've done all, all of your part. Ruth in chapter 3 did every part that was asked of her. Now she's got to wait. And so when, when you've done your part, 
sit still and wait. Because look what she says. Until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he has finished the thing. And immediately, chapter 4, the morning hits, and here's we find Boaz. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city, and he said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, sells a parcel of land, which is our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. That's the man. That's the other kinsman. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field in the hand of Naomi, thou must also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou mine right to thyself. For I cannot redeem it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this word, for this book, for this hour of preaching. God, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. Lord, fill me up, guard my heart, guard my mind, and guide my lips, Father. And allow me to preach tonight under the anointing of the gospel, Father. And Father, I pray that you have a message for us from heaven, God. And Lord, as as it's preached, God, may we receive it, God, and may we... Uh, live it out in our lives and draw closer to you. And we're going to thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So let's catch up real quick as we, as we get into this. How many of you read the book of Ruth? I mean, or, I mean, this is, and we've probably heard it preached. I know I've, I, some of my gr- uh, fa- favorite messages to listen to come out of this book because of all the pictures and the types that are in it. Here's what the Bible, here's what God said in Proverbs 25 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search it out. And here, right in the midst of all, and these four chapters are all kind of hidden nuggets or pictures that you and I can pull out that help us. For, like, for instance, in chapter 1, we find out who Ruth is. She's a Moabitess. She's from the land of Moab. And the land of Moab is under a curse. So that means she's under a curse because of who she is. Because of her nature and because of her birth, she is automatically put under a curse. Sound familiar? That you and I were born into this world under a curse. Not the curse of a Moabitess, but under the curse of Adam. Under the law of God, well, you and I have been born under that very same curse. She was a stranger. She was a stranger, the Bible says. She was a stranger of the hateful nation that hated Israel. They did not get along. And why this family chose to move there and why this Israelite chose to pick out a bride for himself and then, and, and then for her to say, you know what, after his death to join up with her mother-in-law and come back to Israel just blows my mind. Obviously, some, somewhere something was said Maybe even the mother-in-law had said something or her husband had left just a little bit 
for her to just say, I need more. Must be more to this life. So that tells me, what are you and I doing in our life that we're leaving some of these, as you see when you get to chapter 3, these handfuls of purpose? What are you, or chapter 2, what are you and I doing? What kind of handfuls, what kind of things are we leaving behind for others to come along and see and want to know God more? Yes, that's, that's exactly what Ruth, what happened to Ruth. She wanted to know more about this God. Then we sing that song, I want to know more. Do you really? Do you really want to know more about God? This is how you do it. You get in this book and then you obey it. Because just reading it's not going to translate. And you have to read it and then believe it and then obey it. And when you start obeying this book, when you start obeying His Word, God starts to reveal Himself to you. So here we have, she's alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And then here we come into chapter 4. This is the key, is the word redeem. I mean, it's over 15 times in this one chapter. In one verse, I mean, he says, if you don't redeem it, I'll redeem it. If you don't, if you don't want to redeem it, it's there to redeem, but nobody else is there to redeem it, so somebody please redeem it. Just right there, it tells us about this of, of, of redemption. The word redeem has, has a couple of different meanings. We know it as this, to buy back. And here's what it's used for in this chapter. It's, it's used as to buy back or to purchase. But it could also mean to buy out or to take something off the marketplace. Say maybe to redeem a slave who's on the auction block of sin. It could mean to buy them out of that place. And once you've paid for it and bought them out of that place, it has the meaning that they cannot go back. It also means this, to set free. To set free. And so tonight, uh, when you get into chapter 4, uh, there's three pictures in chapter 4. Now, I'm only going to preach on one of these pictures. But there's three pictures. If you read chapter 4, there's a picture of our redeeming Lord. There's a picture of our renewed life, and there's a picture of a restored legacy. That all happens in this chapter. Tonight, I want to focus on this picture of our redeeming Lord. Uh, in order for, for, for Boaz to be this kinsman redeemer, there had, he had to meet three qualifications. And in those three qualifications, we're going to try to preach tonight uh, with the Lord's help. And, and see, he first, he had to be a relative. Okay, he had to be a relative, he had to be rich, and he had to be ready or willing. Now, as we look at those three things tonight, I want to relay them back to, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this about a relative, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. He's a relative. I wonder if he's rich. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I wonder if he's ready. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, I think he's ready, I think he's willing, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. I think he's ready or willing. So tonight, if you're taking notes... Wondering how we're going to get into this. And when you're preaching, and this is what makes me so nervous, how do we just get into it? You know, some people like to tell a joke, Brother Dar. I'm, I'm, I'm not fun. I'm a dad joke guy. 
and and I just I'm, I don't have jokes. I don't have a whole lot of funny stories. Uh, and so a lot of times I just want to get into it. Let's just go and get into this into this book and let's just see what God has. So if you're taking notes tonight. Uh, number one, I want you to notice the requirement of the law. Remember, he had to be a relative. So the requirement of the law in Leviticus 25 and Deuteronomy 25 tells us about two types of laws that must be met. And it has to be by a relative. In Leviticus 25, we have the law of the kinsman redeemer. I'm going to give you homework let you go home and read it because it's all through the chapter. Very long. And who likes reading the book of Leviticus anyway? <clears throat> But it's full of these laws. And you know, you want to know something. God is bound by the very laws and the word that He writes. And so even in the very picture of our Lord Jesus Christ through this, through this book of Ruth about Boaz, God still has to stay in line with His word. He's not going to go past it or go around it or go under it or over it. He has to still stick by the Word. So in order for the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Redeemer, to be our kinsman Redeemer, He too has to be a relative. And so, according to this, in Leviticus 25, the kinsman Redeemer, it tells about... If a, and then Deuteronomy 25 tells the law of the Leverite marriage. Now that is, if a woman has a husband and he dies, it is the job of the brother to marry the wife. And have children to carry on his brother's name. That's the law. And then we see that over in, I believe it's Genesis 28, you'll see this very story with Judah, who has a son, uh, who marries a woman, and he's unable to fulfill it because he dies. And so he gets the next son. And he dies. And then he has another son, Brother Darnell, who ain't old enough. And he forgets all about it, and he leaves her. And then you have this whole, matter of fact, this is where you find the line of Boaz. It would have been his great, 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 great grandfather. Matter of fact, at the end of this chapter, it starts with the very son that was born. So all of this God is trying to tie together. So there has to be, the requirement by law is there has to be a relative, a kinsman, a near kinsman, and remember, through this, we've seen that Boaz, as you read, he is a brother somehow or relative of Elimelech, who was the husband of Naomi. So he is a relative. He's a kinsman. But here we find in Ruth uh, chapter 3, verse 12, he tells her this. There's a kinsman nearer than I. There's another relative. And so when it comes to chapter 4, Boaz needs to settle this right now. Man, he, you know, this tells you how straight up of a guy that Boaz is. He could have just said, it doesn't matter. I love you, you love me, let's get married. But he has to do it by the Word of God, if he's going to be right. And in order for him to stay this picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has to do it by the law. Jesus Christ, everything he did, he, he did. He said, I come to fulfill the law. He didn't try a, a different way. Uh, he didn't try... Uh, remember, what did he say? Father, not my will, but thy will be done. It was God's will for him to redeem, and he had to redeem by his blood. Get ahead of myself. There's a nearer kinsman. So, chapter 4, verse 1, Boaz, as soon as the dawn breaks, he's out the door and he's headed to the gate. 
This is where everybody's about to gather, and he's looking for that relative. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers, and I won't say a lot of preachers say that this, this nearer kinsman could be the law. I want to go a different way. I want to go a different way. The law is here. I want to show you where I think the law is. All right, here, look with me right here. Verse number two, he took ten men to sit down. What were these ten men about to be? They were about to be ten witnesses. Sound familiar? There's some witnesses against you and I. There's these things called the Ten Commandments, and they are a witness against us. So I don't think this nearer kinsman was the law or the witness, but I believe he was. He represents Adam. Because in Adam, all die. Adam is our nearer kinsman. Do not we all come from the line of Adam? When we're born into this world, the reason that we die is all because of Adam. We have an Adamic nature. That's what we're born with. So Adam is our nearer kinsman. He's the one uh, uh, who, <laughs> who, who we relate to. And we can go to him, but yet he's not able to redeem. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, in Adam all die. But in Christ, but in Christ shall all be made alive. So here we, I believe we're seeing two men. One a representative of Adam and one a representative of Jesus Christ. The requirement by law is they must be a relative. And the Bible tells us also in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Adam's not able to bring any kind of life. Matter of fact, I want to I want to I want to read to you why I want to I believe this is still Adam. Verse number six. I want you to underline all this selfish things that he says. And the kinsman says, "I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right, for I cannot." Sounds like Adam. Sounds like that old selfish man. I, I, I. Sounds like that. It sounds like that old nature that cannot save. He had, he was a relative. He was rich. He had money. Because he's like, when Boaz laid it before him, he said, I'll buy it. No problem. I got it. But he was selfish. Because when Ruth's brought up, and him having to carry on the name of Elimelech, I'm glad I don't have to say that name a lot. He knows that he has to have a son. And if he has a son with Ruth, that inheritance that he buys gets passed on to the son. And he doesn't get anything. I'm about to shout. I'm about to run. Because there was one who did not care. Boaz did not care about having some kind of inheritance. He was going to take up this burden. He was going to take up this cross. And he was willing to lay. He was willing to pay the price and let that inheritance pass on to somebody else. 
Man, when I'm getting, when I, if you know where I've been, I think about the things that I've done that's hurt God. Things that I've done to hurt my testimony, to hurt my family. Things that I've done, and I look and I think, I could have been that selfish guy. And and we fight that selfish guy. But yet there was one who said, I'll pay it. I'll pay the price. And you can get the inheritance. He pays the price. And you and I get the field. Man. Boaz, what a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if he's that picture, then Jesus, guess what? He had to be born. He had to be a man. Just talking about this in Sunday school. John chapter 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus became flesh. Romans 1.3 says, Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. But He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Hey, I think Jesus is a close relative. And I think He's one that would be willing. I would say it like this. As the relative, Jesus was legally worthy. We talked about the requirement of the law. Jesus was legally worthy. What do you mean, preacher? He's worthy? Yep. Revelation chapter 5. And I saw at the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written. Within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And John said, I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open the book and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Why? Because Jesus is legally worthy. He was made in the likeness of men so that He could be our kinsman. And being that kinsman, He meets the requirement by law. Let's just see number one is the requirement by law. Number two, let's just see if He's rich enough because we talked about that had to be fulfilled. I wonder if He's got enough money. Number two, the riches of the Lord. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, 
but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. You see, he had enough riches that he had to pay it with his own blood. See, he met the legal requirement. We see in them witnesses. We see the witnesses. Let's go back and see what these witnesses have to say. Verse 7. Now, this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning the redeeming. And concerning changing, for to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony to Israel. Therefore, the kinsman, Adam, uh, the kinsman said unto Boaz, I mean, Adam said unto Jesus, here, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was on. Aren't you glad that there's some witnesses? And we come over into the New Testament, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he starts telling us about all of these witnesses who witnessed what Jesus had done, that he had died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. Aren't you glad that there were some witnesses in the Bible that testify about the goodness and the richness of God? And here we have him taking off this shoe. We see this shoe exchange. I can remember a... <clears throat> I'm trying to think if it was if it was one of the prison, one of the prison guys or just a, just a, the guy, a guy I knew. Was, he was asked this about... What it's like to be saved. And he said, it's like I'm in Jesus' shoes and he's in mine. He didn't know he was being biblical. He had no idea how biblical he was. This man took my shoe and he put his feet in my shoes. And now he said, hey, now you put mine on. See, we say it like this. I took off these robes and he gave me his. The Bible says it like this. Probably one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I, I think he's rich enough. Do you realize that even being this rich, the cost or the price that he paid was with his own blood? The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. We have these witnesses, and they're against us. We have Adam in this nature, but Jesus is a near kinsman who's not only meeting the legal requirements, but He is wealthy enough to pay for the sin that you can. The Bible says, For Christ also has suffered for the sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Can I tell you how much He loves you? That He was willing to pay that price? I would say this, when it came to the requirement of the law, Jesus was legally worthy. When it came to the riches of the Lord, I'd say this. Jesus was lavishly wealthy. The last thing, number three. I want to see the redemption by love. The redemption by love. Man, 
I would say it like this. I, I just want to get this one out of the way because it's kind of hard to tie it up. Was he ready? We could say this. Jesus was lovingly willing to die in our place. See, Boaz didn't have to buy Ruth. He didn't have to. Nor did the Lord Jesus have to buy us. He doesn't love us because we're valuable or because we're worth anything. We're valuable because He loves us. See, it didn't change anything for Him. But He was willing to step out of the place of His position and to come down to where we are. Just like in chapter 3, Boaz was willing to take that covering and put it over Ruth and say, I got you. I understand. And I know your need. And I'm going to take care of it right now. And remember what her mother-in-law said? Hey, he won't rest until he's done it. One day there was a cross. And as Jesus hung there, he said these words, It is finished. The Bible says now he sits down at the right hand of God. What does that sitting down at the right hand of God mean? It means he is at rest. You see, the high priest could never rest. The high priest was constantly in service. Every festival, every feast, every holy day, at every Sabbath, there was, there was the priest was always busy. He could never rest because the work was never done. The work would never be finished on what the law could do. And what we can't do in Adam, Jesus has done for us. He is lovingly willing. There is redemption by love. And as you come through this book, when you come into chapter 1 and you see the misery and you see the death and you see all that they go through and then you move into chapter 2 and as she comes back to this place of Bethlehem, when they get back to Bethlehem, she begins to find what's called grace. And probably my favorite verse in this, in this whole chapter is when she looks up and she says, why are you showing me this grace? Why? So many times in my life have I asked them the same questions. Lord, why have you showed me so much grace? When I had done things, when you had done things, that we should have just, God could have just said, okay, that's it. That's it. You've gone too far. It's too much. And yet there's grace. Yet there's grace. We're reading through the book of Ezekiel. Some of us men are. And I'm seeing a side of God and it's like, there's a point where God does have enough. I don't ever want to see that side of God. I don't know when that line is. And I don't know where that line is. But I promise you I don't want to try to find it. See, a lot of times... Today's Christianity wants to get as close to that line and wonder, 
How much can I look like the world and still be a Christian? Instead of, how close can I get to God and still stay in this world? Because you know, when you get close to God, He just might just take you on home. Say, what do you mean? Well, Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. You get, see, that ought to be our, we ought to have that mindset. How close can I walk with God down here that God says, you know what? My relationship with you is so good and I love this fellowship that we have. Man, it'd be so much sweeter up here. But we're so worried about how much can I be in this world and still be called a Christian? I don't want to find the line. Matter of fact, I want to back up a hundred yards and build a wall so I don't even see the line and I don't get close to it. Now, that's not legalism. That's just called being smart. That's just called being smart. If that line would bring down the wrath of God upon my life, I don't want to get near it. But here, we find this woman under a curse. And we don't find wrath from that family member. We don't find wrath from that kinsman. You know what we find? We find grace. And tonight, you may say, you know what? I realize I'm under a curse. Those ten witnesses... If I put myself up against them, then it's not looking good. See, because I've probably broke one or two of them. Not all. See, I know because I guarantee you that you've told a lie before. Probably taken something that didn't belong to you. Probably used God's name in vain. That's three. We're out. James says if you break but one, guilty of all. So there's ten links in that chain. And if just one of them is broken, you're hanging over that pit of hell. Because that's where we're dangling. Every day, that's where we're dangling over that pit. And those chains are holding. If you've broke but one, it's only a matter of time before that link snaps. And you're done. And you end up in hell. And the whole time, there's one over here with his hand stretched out. Saying, come on. Come on. The grace is this, that he's walked out over that pit of hell. Let me tell you, he don't just have his hand out. He's walked out over that fire. And he stood in that fire in your place. And He's willing to catch you when that chain finally breaks. And when you deserve to fall in that pit of hell, His grace catches you, pulls you over to the side, and puts you on a rock. And He gives you a new name. And He puts a song in your heart. That's the grace that she was like, Why are you doing this? God, why are you continuing to show grace? When I'm a sinner, maybe tonight that's you. Say, preacher, I've, you're right, I've broke the law. And I realize tonight that I'm headed straight for hell because of my nature. Because I was born that way. You were born a sinner. But then you chose to sin. 
Now the Bible says this. If you'll repent, turn away from sin, and turn to God, and trust what He's done. See, because one, one of these days, that chain's going to break. You can keep trying to keep trying to live how you want, but one day that chain's going to break. Where are you going to fall? Do you know tonight, there's someone here ready to catch you. You don't even have to try to hang, hang on to those chains. Just let go. And He'll catch you. See, a lot of times we'll take that same law and say, well, I'm good. I do this. And I've done this. Look at how that one chain right there at the top. Look how pretty it is. It's sparkling. I've even decorated it. I've polished it. It looks real nice. That's my church membership. Look how nice it is. Look at this one. I, I, I've done this, this, and this. See? That's what the one guy tried to do in the New Testament when he talked to Jesus. How much? How can I inherit eternal life? And he said, keep the law. He said, I've done that. Done that. What else you got? Take all you have. Sell it and give it to the poor. Nah. You ain't real. What was he showing him? He was showing him that nature. That I, me, mine, it's mine. He showed him right there his nature. See, that's why you need a second nature. That's why you need a second birth. You were born once with this nature that is bent towards sin. And that you choose sin. So if you're born again, would you not be bent toward the things of God? There's a good test. Paul says, try it. See if whether or not you be in the faith. Are you bending towards the things of God? Or are you still bending towards the things of the world? And that always wins. See, if there's no struggle of which way to go, if there's no struggle at all and you just constantly lean towards sin and there's no struggle... There's no spirit. What did we read earlier? Jesus is a quickening spirit. See, our soul was came in Adam and it's bent towards this. We need a quickening spirit that will bend us towards the things of life. And life is found in this. Lord, where will we go? You alone have the words of life. What are you bent to? See, He redeemed us by love. And He don't want you to stay the same shape you found Him in. You're not going to stay the same way. Ruth didn't stay the same way Boaz found her. She went from gleaning in a field to by chapter 4, she owned the field. Chapter 2, he said, hey, look, let her glean over here in these corners and just drop some handfuls of purpose. Chapter 4, she's Mrs. Boaz, and it's hers. Jesus said, I'll come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Choose Jesus tonight. Don't choose yourself. Don't, well... I would do it, but, you know, I, me, my, this, that, I got, 
That was the other kinsman. I would, but I would serve God, but I have this and I have that and I, I, I. Choose Christ. And let Him let Him open the doors and walk with Him. And we've seen this picture of redemption. If we could go on, I'd, we'd preach about this restored legacy that He wants to give you. There's so much waiting if you'll just take Him by the hand and walk with Him. Choose Christ tonight. Choose Christ. Heads bowed and eyes closed, and we'll, we'll just close with prayer. And and uh, I pray that helped you. I feel like I butchered it the whole thing tonight, and I pray that there's something. I pray there's one nugget in there that just spoke to your heart. Or maybe tonight you're you're hearing this and you're saying, you know what, brother Jeff, I I, I don't know if I'm saved. If that's your heart, and you say I, I need to trust Christ tonight, I'm. I don't know when that chain is going to break, but when it does, I don't want to fall into the pit of hell. You can come see see one of us tonight. See me, Brother Darnell, Brother David. See any of us. and Brother Jeff, back. See one of us and say, hey, man, what he was preaching about, that's, that's me. i got to get that right. So as we close tonight, and it's Wednesday night, I'm so thankful for everyone being here. Be back on Sunday, and let's see what God's going to do. I'm excited about what He's doing here. I'm excited about what's going to take place in the future. Father, we love You. We thank You for being our God. We thank You for loving us, for being our Redeemer, for buying us back, for taking us off the market, and for setting us free. Thank You that You paid the price And we get all the inheritance. Oh, we love you. And we pray tonight if there's one here that don't know you, that before they leave God, they make it right. Father, I pray you watch us, keep us safe as we travel home. Bring us back on Sunday, ready and willing to worship. In Jesus' name, amen.